0: 90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science.
1: Hey, Shannon, how are you? I'm terrible. <laughs> Oof.
0: I did more chemistry today than I've done in the past five years.
1: <laughs> that does sound like a pretty bad day.
0: I wrote at least eight chemical equations. Balanced and everything.
1: I haven't seen that many since mineralogy.
0: Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> um, and I actually had fun doing it. Okay, I know there's a lot of chemistry hate mail that comes my way, <laughs> but I also thought I would subject you to it too. Well, I mean,
1: balancing chemical equations is you know solving a linear system of equations. Like that's okay.
0: True, but trying to remember what mineral those. 12 cations and anions stand for
1: that's what databases are for
0: (laughs) you know it always surprised me that i didn't like mineralogy more because i feel like i'm very good at memorizing things and i think that would be like right in my wheelhouse but for some reason i don't know some reason it just never never stuck
1: It is fascinating because I'm very much in the camp of I hate memorizing things. (laughs) I want to memorize the fundamental equation and derive everything else.
0: (laughs) And that's why you hate mineralogy. (laughs) And that's why I don't like
1: mineralogy because mineralogy is all memorization. Yeah,
0: totally. And,
1: you know, lots of hocus pocus with petrographic microscopes. (laughs) It's like, or you can actually get the real chemical composition with the instrument.
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) how did uh, dr london take that when you said that
1: <laughs> well i mean he can't he, he couldn't have said much he had a microprobe lab
0: that's true <laughs> so <laughs> he would say yes yes you're right
1: <laughs> i mean i i get the you know the point of being able to identify some minerals it's handy in the field it helps you understand some about the field process but you know I don't expect ever in my life to be held up, and my life depend on <laughs> knowing the formula for forsterite
0: ah, ah, ah. <gasps> um, well, yeah, I wrote that one on the board today, and I still couldn't tell you what it was
1: <laughs> I think uh you know knowing knowing all the options for the tar command is a much more likely <laughs> <the> <laughs> scenario. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. What is that one command that erases everything in the directory? Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> r- oh, yeah. R- r- RM-RF-star. rf star That's right. Oh, God. <laughs>
1: Recursively remove everything <gasps> below this directory.
0: we nightmares about that one. <laughs> huh? Well, I'd- I love
1: that we always would tell people, like, never type this. It's like they never would have known it existed I know. if we didn't tell them never type it.
0: Exactly. And then what's the first thing that happens? I did it once, too. Oh, <laughs> God. It was... I don't... The eunuchs gods were smiling upon me. It was like a Friday morning and they had backed everything up on Thursday night. It's <laughs> <was> like, oh. <laughs> Praise Jeebus.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: He's like, oh, you did it, didn't you? <laughs> They're like, everyone does it. It's okay. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, chemistry.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... You know, removing things and uh, chemistry and mm-hmm. mineralogy yeah. all kind of relates to what we're going to talk about today, which is removing rocks from the face of the earth by weathering.
0: <laughs> I thought it was weird that we haven't really talked about this. It's like a very fundamental process, right?
1: <laughs> but Yeah, I, I Googled, or not Googled, but I did a search on our on our show index for weathering and only found two results. And they were about very specific kinds of weathering. Oh,
0: oh, really? What have we talked about?
1: (laughs) So we've talked about like, you know, desert formations, like Ah. arches and that kind of thing. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think the other one was, it may have been something extraterrestrial, but nothing really kind of the the fundamental Mm -hmm. geology 101 style. What's weathering?
0: Yeah. And so it's like, I'm teaching sedimentology for the first time. And so, obviously, we'll probably talk a lot about that. But, you know, we've talked about how you categorize them and everything else. And But how you actually make sediments, you know, there's two distinct processes, types of, of weathering that we talk about. And one I think is way more fun to talk about, but also it's the one that doesn't really make that many rocks. So, <laughs> unfortunately.
1: <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so you've got physical weathering. Um, and chemical weathering that's it mechanical and chemical is what i always say and i think the mechanical ones much more interesting because it's you know a lot more physics but i figured we could walk through the different types of how you take rocks and break pieces off of those rocks into sediments which will eventually become other rocks
1: yeah and i guess we'll see how far we get because physical weathering since that's both of our favorites may, may end up <laughs> taking a whole show we'll see <laughs> I think
0: we're gonna- we're going to not be able to contain ourselves. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. I'm all for putting off chemistry for another time. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> because, I mean, physical weathering, part of the definition, right, is you're not changing the chemical composition.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Processes are much more interesting, and that bonus thing. They still say the stay the same thing.
1: <laughs> quartz is still quartz. It's just much smaller
0: Smaller. (laughs) oh man so what's your favorite agent of mechanical weathering
1: oh it's got to be frost wedging oh really (laughs) oh yeah
0: yeah it's real good right
1: (laughs) so what's your favorite
0: um you know i i inexplicably like (laughs) exfoliation domes so um exfoliation Mm mm-hmm
1: that is a very rock mechanics answer.
0: Oh, no. I don't want to be put in your camp with those people. I know. People. <laughs> it's so cool. Okay, we'll talk. Okay. We'll get there.
1: <laughs> the, the, the dirt people, as Sheldon says.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> um, I've seen, so <laughs> I feel like maybe I haven't explored it enough, but the YouTube abundance of cool frost wedging videos and exfoliation videos just makes me real happy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think because it surprises a lot of people that these are real things.
0: <laughs> yeah. So like geology, right? You like you go out. So I showed one of these videos today. We'll get to it when we talk about mine. Um, and the students literally gasped.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And it's like, yeah, because you think of geology being this thing that you never actually see change. Like, you know, in your heart, processes are always taking place, but you never really see it happen. But all of, like, I feel like these mechanical weathering things, like, you can see this stuff happening, and it's very exciting. And when I talked about frost wedging, like, I went all the way down to, like, how water is a polar molecule and the density differences and stuff. Yeah, it got real deep. And I thought, oh. I haven't drawn a molecule on the board, even water, in a long time.
1: (laughs) It's got that really funky property where that when you cool it down and freeze it, it expands.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. All starting with like how, because it's polar, which is real weird. And I kept saying, this is really unique. And everyone was like,
1: all right, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know. Go make alcohol ice cubes or glycerin ice cubes or ethanol ice cubes.
0: Mm-hmm. They don't
1: work like water ice cubes.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: It's, it, it seems weird, but that's just because water is what we're the most used to seeing in frozen form.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that does seem weird. Hmm. That's interesting. Why don't we do that experiment more? That seems like an easy experiment to do.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, I mean, water, it well, one, it's very amazing. I always thought when we started doing, you know, like a chemistry one lab, like, oh, this is boring. It's just mixing salts in water, like for a semester.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But then you realize that compared to every other thing acetone, alcohol, xylene, all these other things water's amazing (laughs) like it's a universal solvent it's polar it's got this weird hydrogen bonding and these van der waals forces Mm -hmm. uh it's really an amazing thing and when you freeze it in a confined space it can exert more pressure than any hydraulic system we can come up with
0: so weird so water is densest at four degrees c not at its freezing point So strange. Yeah. Which, I mean, allows fish to live, right? Because ice forms on top of water, not on the bottom of the lake. So there you go. Right,
1: It'd be a very different world (laughs) if lakes rose from the bottom up.
0: Exactly. And it's like, everybody's like, why are we looking for water everywhere? And it's like, yeah, it's just this unique thing that we have to have. So, yeah. So I started there. And just like you said, this frost action thing is a really big deal. So mechanical weathering is by far the least of the weathering. Most weathering that happens to rocks is chemical weathering. But this one's so cool. <laughs>
1: like, Well, you know, I, take a boulder the size of your house and chemical weather it. How long is that going to take?
0: Exactly. A long time. Take,
1: <laughs> yeah, take a boulder the size of your house And let water seep into the cracks and go through some freeze and thaw cycles, Mm -hmm. it'll be hand samples in 100 years.
0: Oh, I don't even know if it would take that long, really. Because one of the cool things about this mechanical weathering, right? So, like, you get a crack in a rock, which is going to happen, and you get water in it, (laughs) it... Freezes, mm-hmm. It expands, exerts this pressure, and eventually it's going to start to break up. But the deal is it's going to break into more and more cracks. And so you just speed up the rate of the physical weathering because now you've got more and more cracks for more and more water to seep through. Because what you want is more surface area on rocks, then weathering haps, happens faster. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And as you said before, we've talked about how, like, this is the process that, like, makes the arches at in arches national park. It's not, like, ancient water. It's not wind. It's just the freeze and thaw cycle that you would experience in a desert because it gets really cold at night.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And well, there's actually a bicycle shop in State College named Freeze and Thaw Cycles <sighs> that was started by some geo people.
0: Oh, My God, are you serious? Yeah. Ah, 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 ah. That's the most beautiful name I've ever... (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, I still
1: like upper crust pizza, but...
0: I mean, that's... (laughs) Geologist. The worst. Yeah. Just the worst. So, (laughs) (laughs) my
1: main problem with this mechanism is that it's called frost wedging.
0: (laughs) Because this, like because it's too close to wedgie. <laughs> what's your no, problem? No, it's not
1: frost. It's ice. Oh,
0: oh okay. Like, it's not the wedgie like part. Fr-
1: <laughs> yeah, to me, you know, frost is this little
0: adorable little, little stuff.
1: Yeah, you, you you hit dew point and you get some condensation on a surface and it freezes. Like that's frost. <laughs> this is not that. This is water flowing into cracks and freezing and becoming a solid block of ice <laughs> that exerts tons literally of force.
0: Oh, uh, that's interesting. It's not frost. Hmm. Yeah. That is interesting. See, a student this week was arguing Flint versus Chert with me. And I was like, they're the same thing. I was like, why is it called two different things? I'm like, it's <laughs> the same thing. It's all crypto crystalline quartz. And I'm like, do I have to look this up? Colloquially, Flint is black. And Chert is, you know, pink or tan. Right. I had no idea. So it's like this is, the, this is the same thing, you know. Frost is super tiny, but it could be this too.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too. Oh, okay. Do you do you order a a Dr Pepper and they say, do you want Frost in that?
0: <laughs> too uh, I'd like
1: a Coke, no Frost. Tall Frosty People Coke. People look at you like you're insane.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> You know, now that we're totally off the rail here,
0: totally off the rail. Uh, you know, it's amazing the, the pet peeves we have. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: uh, Don't even get me started on kerning. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, that that is absolutely another show.
1: <laughs> but you know, so frost wedging is definitely, I would say my favorite mechanism, just because it's so powerful, it's so quick. You see a boulder here, and you think, yeah, that happened thousands of years ago. It's like, or in five seconds yesterday.
0: Right. Exactly. So one of the... I've never been able to find this again, but there was a YouTube uh, video, and it was the formation of an arch. It was crazy. People walking in the desert right around sunrise, and (laughs) they hear this loud sound, and the camera goes towards... It's not exactly an arch. Like, there's a little bit of space underneath it. Like, it was on its way to becoming. And then they hear this huge crack, and they catch it on camera, and, like, half of this rock falls off.
1: <laughs> and right. that
0: was ice wedging.
1: <laughs> and, yeah, so the process happens pretty quickly, and we actually leverage it in a lot of places to break off big blocks of granite, mm-hmm. like in a quarry where they don't have or can't use explosives, Mm -hmm. they can drill holes, fill them with water.
0: Just let nature do it.
1: Let nature do it.
0: That's super cool.
1: Drilling and filling with water is a lot cheaper than drilling and filling with AMFO.
0: So much cheaper. So there's another way you can do this, too, and this is actually a perfect segue into um, basically insulation changes or temperature changes that create sediments because in another okay. way. Uh-huh, yeah. Here's my segue. <laughs> so, a temperature change is another way, and it's not through like ice wedging, it's just through like alternating between hot and cold temperatures and the amount that the individual minerals within a rock will expand or contract can actually cause pieces to break off. So, there's a quarry down in the Wichita Mountains, it's actually in the town of Granite, Oklahoma, and the way that they get huge slabs of granite off of their quarry walls is they take these diesel fuel torches and just start cutting the rocks.
1: And what expands more?
0: So it's the so this granite is really felsic, so there's huge pieces of quartz and huge pieces of case spar. And so the okay. the case bar will it starts to spall off. And the the <laughs> the grains are so crystals if you will are so coarse to begin with that it causes enough spalling just through the heating it up and them expanding that they can use that diesel torch like a knife and it just walk it straight down the space and get a huge slab of granite. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that cool?
1: That's very cool.
0: It was cool until I was in the quarry and I was sampling for Paleo Mag and they told me how they got the quarry walls so flat. And I said, well, that could be a problem for me.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm very glad you told me that. I would have had no idea. Because you
1: just erased all of the magnetism. Exactly. <laughs> with that diesel torch. <laughs> that
0: was exactly what happened. <laughs> so it goes through fast enough that it probably didn't affect the relaxation times but it turned out that site didn't work for me anyway so it was okay. But isn't that cool?
1: <laughs> that is. And it you know I would say that's very close cousins to one that I am almost okay with the word frost being used in.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> frost heave.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So So
1: similarly, you know, like things expand and contract with diurnal temperature changes and the soil expands and contracts and breaks with, I mean, everybody has a concrete slab, whether you know mm -hmm. it or not, that Mm -hmm. has cracks in it from frost heave.
0: Yep, exactly. Um, Potholes. Right.
1: That's so many potholes so many
0: potholes <laughs> uh-huh and i mean it doesn't have to be we get potholes here and it's not like we have a a ton of you know below freezing days but it doesn't take much yeah it doesn't take much um when you're talking about heaving rocks out of the way plants are a good way okay. to do that
1: <laughs> yeah and you know there's actually a faculty uh, pretty close to here, that works on plant root processes. Oh, really? How they how they affect weathering. Hmm. And yeah, I think that's super interesting because plants. You know, we see trees busting up sidewalks all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you're getting fined by just the sidewalks. city. Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. I mean, it's usually sidewalks, but yeah. So they can do this with plants too. I have this really cool picture um, that I use for this, and it is from Western Oklahoma. So these big sandstones that are out there, and this tree has grown into the side of this rock, and it's clearly grown up through a pre-existing fracture. But the tree is like zigzag for about three feet through this rock. And then it's just a regular old tree after that. It looks so cool. But like the tree grew in what was clearly a space, but it's now pushing that rock apart. And it's a pretty big boulder. Like when it breaks in half, it's definitely going to like ruin the trail that it's on. And so, you know, this tree is going to take down this 10 foot diameter rock. Eventually,
1: life finds a way. That's
0: right. <laughs> so I, I also told this story because this is really interesting. So not just plants, but animals could do stuff too. And when I was out a couple of years ago in Arizona, we were, you know we're out in the arid desert and we're on this limestoney, sandy, little prominence, not huge cliff or anything. But at the edge of this, there are all these holes. And I just think something like frost wedging. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. that's what I think, right? So there's all these little holes. And I think water has done this. What else would have done this? In this limestone, right? Limestones, you know, are really susceptible to any acidic fluid. This is just what this is. They were made by bees, <laughs>
1: Bees? Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it probably started as a tiny little depression in the rock that water gathered in. But because it's so dry out there, bees are really attracted to any water. And I've had this problem out there when I'm drilling rocks because our drill is water-cooled. And we will get bee swarms around us sometimes. Yeah. And so... Huh. Yeah. (laughs) So there's like a little bit of water. And then these bees will literally like burrow into the rock to like find more water and so you'll see these holes get really deep and it's because there are bees digging them out Ah. (laughs) you would never see that in the rock record and say an animal did this you know i mean or if you did you would think it would be like an animal when that limestone was still in the ocean (laughs) yeah yeah and it was a bee so hmm. how interesting, right, to like look at these ancient rock and the things that are in them and be like, ha, be like, <laughs> maybe that was from an animal, but not in the way you would think.
1: Well, I would love to see what a geologist in 100,000 years thinks about that. Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I don't know if I would have believed them when they were talking about it until I actually saw it. I was just like, why would bees make these holes like in the ground? yeah, uh-huh. Very weird. <laughs> so plants and rocks also which
1: are powered by water.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, that is very true. Water's the whole the whole thing here. Um, there's also abrasion, and this is the one where you know, wind, but you'd be very proud of me because I stole one of your words from our geology ABCs, and I talked about yardings. <laughs> oh <laughs> and everyone went what <laughs> yeah
1: and you're like one of the few geology y words we know them all <laughs>
0: <laughs> at an end nick point that's all wait no that's okay
1: <laughs> right <laughs>
0: um yeah so i attempted to draw a yarding which was disastrous <laughs> So <I had> to
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: i had to like look one up to show them what a yard dang was um but those are those like little fin like weird things that get abraded by like constant wind direction basically sandblasting them into cool shapes so yeah
1: and if you want to see how fast you can sandblast a sandstone you, you can put it in a sandblaster and do just that <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing really
0: I've never thought to do this, but I'm 100% doing it.
1: Well, because you can take, like, so take your cricket and you can cut vinyl letters or something and Mm -hmm. put them on there, and then you sandblast and you peel peel them off. This
0: is amazing. (laughs) All right, well, I got my next (laughs) Cricut. I'm going to be like, I need your cricket or I need my Cricut and your sandblaster, and John's going to say, what? (laughs) What? um we just got a foot pedal for it like yesterday though so <laughs> very ex- oh, nice. very exciting <laughs> i can't wait you just
1: need to uh you-, you need to get i don't know maybe a maybe a nice granite or something yeah, that might be hard
0: yeah oh i've got plenty of sandstones for this job but
1: some- something you can polish and it'd be pretty
0: oh okay i see i'm i'm literally gonna write this down final letters and sandblasting. <laughs> <laughs> clearly i'm gonna i mean sp- at that
1: point you're basically making a headstone
0: Ex- yes <laughs> yeah exactly huh this isn't gonna get creepy at all <laughs>
1: well, you, you could make it a weirdman tombstone it'll
0: be okay oh my gosh way to tie it tie it all together <laughs> yep. um so it doesn't have to be wind <laughs> obviously you can braid things with ice or water as well <laughs> and i mean there's lots or of real great the, you know, pictures of that well,
1: well yeah i mean or the thing itself
0: yes mm-hmm. you know exactly y-
1: yeah you can you can sandpaper things <laughs> transported by wind or just physical movement like things sliding down a hill
0: mm-hmm. or those weird rocks in death valley <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. Mm-hmm. So abrasion by that process as well. Um this produces like all those cool if you ever go into a stream and there are those cool little holes everywhere in the rocks that make these little maelstroms and then that maelstrom just sits there and continues to abrade that hole even bigger. Mhm. Yeah.
1: I believe the appropriate term is spinema thing. <laughs>
0: pardon me <laughs> my jargon is not on point <laughs> um so i save my favorite for last which yeah is probably probably a show's worth of <laughs> discussing the fun things that oh, we oh, like
1: <laughs> definitely and then chemicals you know we'll 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 pick a long fun paper blah 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> so have you seen this video of the exfoliation dome in the northeast that's, like, cracking as the guy's videoing it.
1: Yeah, it sounds like somebody's beating steel pipes together.
0: Yes. It's so cool. That was the gasping that happened. I said, let's watch this. You guys all know what this process is. You should have heard about it. We go over the process and, like, let's watch this video. And everybody's like, oh, oh. <laughs> so when you make a rock, an igneous rock deep in the earth. So you've got this big magma chamber, right? It quits being a volcano. It cools off. Now you've got a blob of what is eventually going to cool down into a coarse-grained granite deep under the ground. Over right. time, right? That formed in very high temperature, high pressure environment. Over time, you're going to erode all the stuff on top of it. And we know as we erode, stuff rises up. And you're going to expose that magma chamber ball at the surface, but that does a lot of weird things because the pressure at the surface isn't the same as where this magma chamber formed
1: at. Right. And things don't like to be out of the conditions that they were made in.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So big news, everybody. Diamonds are not stable at Earth's pressure and temperature surface conditions.
1: Yeah, if if you say diamonds are forever, well...
0: It's a lie. No. <laughs> it's a total lie. No.
1: Sandstones are
0: <laughs> <laughs> And see, you if you don't have the money for a diamond, you can say that, and it's absolutely true. <laughs> but, so what happens to everyone, like, Plutons and people alike, when you take the pressure off, it like... They crack. Exactly. (laughs) They always, so this looks like onion skin. That's what everyone always calls it. It's called spheroidal weathering because these exposed granite blobs are going to start to basically depressurize. And they literally like pop their layers off. Because of the lack of pressure holding them together. And as it pops, it breaks the little crystals inside there apart. And you create a whole bunch of sediment that goes along with these onion skin weathering that's happening.
1: And it makes a lot of cracks for water to get in
0: mm-hmm.
1: and further the process. But it depressurizes from the outside in. You know, the inside, there's still the at least the hydrostatic pressure of the rock mm-hmm. over it. And so, yeah, it just peels off in these thin layers that are controlled by all sorts of cool mechanics.
0: So these can be pretty small. Like there's one in the Wichita's, this little exfoliation dome. Um, So that's what they're called a lot of times, exfoliation domes, because they're exfoliating their layers. Um, So they can be pretty small, but, I mean, it doesn't matter. Anything that was formed at deep pressures and then comes to the surface is going to crack like that. But they can also be really big, like Half Dome in Yosemite. That's an exfoliation dome. Well, it's half of one because it got creamed by a glacier. But but that's an exfoliation dome too. So, yeah. So you need to look this up. And it's this place in the Northeast where there's this cool video of it happening. And these people are standing on it. And it's cracking apart. And there's, like, puffs of rock dust coming up in the air everywhere. And, yeah, it sounds like these pipes banging together and little popcorn and... Real strange stuff.
1: Right. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool process. Uh, I'm gonna say it's an enabler for, for ice wedging.
0: <laughs> an enabler.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and leave it there, but no, it's a very cool process. Like it's got some neat rock rock mechanics that go behind it. Um, and I don't know. I was trying to think of ways that you could do this as a classroom demo. Like, could we? You know could you form one of those ice spheres mm. like under like, could you do it under air pressure from a compressor in the freezer and then bring it out to room conditions and watch it and yeah. have it start busting itself apart?
0: yeah, that's interesting. that would be really cool It's neat to think that i don't I don't know if you remember this um there was one place that when you were helping me sample for my dissertation work that we went. And it was like back up in that canyon where we got stopped by the crazy guy asking us what we were doing (laughs) but it was like this huge exfoliation dome you remember (laughs) but there were like houses all over it it was so weird because it was this huge dome and there were these little houses like all around it and i thought that doesn't seem like a safe place to live
1: (laughs) but you know doesn't seem like a long-term stable place
0: correct exactly (laughs) (laughs) just yeah that was always very strange to me that you would pick that that spot but you know I mean and these when you say these little onion skins or whatever sometimes they're really thin sometimes they are like millimeters thin and sometimes those chunks are centimeters to feet apart so that's interesting to me too and i don't know if that's a you might be able to answer this rock mechanicist i mean is that a function of the grain size of the granite or what do you think
1: i i mean this is a guess i would guess it has more to do with the curvature of the surface
0: oh okay that makes sense Uh,
1: i'm I'm sure the grain size and the material properties are going to make a difference um you know, the rate of decompression probably does something, but I think it's probably more a function of the curvature because that's going to concentrate stress.
0: Okay. That makes a lot more sense. So if it's like highly curved, lots of little tiny layers.
1: Right. And if you've got something that's kilometers across, you're going to get really thick layers.
0: Yeah. So like half dome, that's a pretty big structure. And I don't, you don't see yeah. the tiny peeling that you do in other structures. Okay, yeah, that makes sense.
1: This That, that would be my hypothesis. Gotcha. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be an interesting... Well, one, I'm sure somebody's already done it, or two, go catalog yes. all these. We need to take field trips to all of them.
0: Oh, darn.
1: Me- measure their diameter on satellite and measure the mean thickness of the onion layers.
0: Which can only be on done with a ruler, yeah, <laughs> up against them. So we better get out there.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't think I want to go to the ones that are in antarctica though
1: really why not
0: i'm trying to set you up (laughs) because we might (laughs) get poisoned by laughing gas
1: (laughs) oh yes they might be a dangerous place to go
0: exactly
1: and we'll talk about why in everybody's favorite segment of the show fun paper Yay!
0: (laughs) isn't this weird
1: yeah i mean um where did you find this
0: i don't know man my google foo is good sometimes (laughs) it's like
1: your google poo here
0: (laughs) okay so the title of this paper not interesting at all right
1: (laughs) no combined effects of glacial retreat and penguin activity on soil greenhouse gas fluxes on south georgia sub antarctica by Wang at all. <laughs> this is one I would scroll right past.
0: Right past, right. Um, have you heard of the journal Science of the Total Environment?
1: No, I had not. I mean, this
0: is an Elsevier journal. How weird is that? Yeah. <laughs> so even reading it, also not super, you know. Oh, but the deal is when you put it together and you know, we'll obviously link in. This is on Gizmodo. It was all over the place. And I was looking for stuff that happened in 2020 when I was Googling. And there was actually a lot of cool stories that I also saved that have to do with, like, doing your science at home because everyone was at home.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Um, but I'm guessing this one got in right under the wire. So <laughs> this pop science article about it says antarctic penguins poop out so much laughing gas it has funny effect on researchers <laughs> which isn't exactly true but
1: <laughs> no and you know i like the idea of a graphical abstract um, uh-huh i didn't think this one really did it
0: i didn't get this one at all
1: <laughs> it's like here's a picture of some sampling sites and here's graphs of some chemicals from those sites.
0: Uh-huh. And it's not clear, really, the notations within the graphs. And also, there is this random cutout of penguins thrown <laughs> on the, on the right. sampling location, which I thought was a little, yeah. I did like, though, not just the graphical abstract, but the highlights. Did you see that in the PDF? i thought that was very interesting too so it was kind of cool to have the bullet point list to go along with that
1: and i will say the fundamental finding here was not surprising
0: no Mm -mm. i think it was the amount is what's really crazy but okay so number one where is sub antarctica
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's below antarctica it's hanging off the bottom of the planet shannon
0: no duh what was I thinking? <laughs>
1: I mean, everybody's upside down down there, and if you look up while you're upside down, you see sub Antarctica.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I kind of right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, sort of. Uh, yeah. So th- this this island, the South Georgia Island. Uh, I mean, I can't. Okay, if you if you take your left hand and you do the glaciologist thing, <laughs> where you stick your thumb out and you curl your fingers, that's Antarctica. <laughs> Okay, between <laughs> your thumb and index finger, a little ways offshore is South Georgia Island, which is the home to the largest king penguin colony.
0: Mm-hmm. And those are the big penguins, too, which seem terrifying. Um, they talk- seem
1: like they are cold, angry kangaroos I, that will beat you up.
0: I know. I was talking to my daughter about this um, just the other day, and actually tonight we read a penguin book going to bed which i thought was super funny when i found this um and they're like as tall as she is right now when they give the range of how big king penguins are you know and she was like what yeah yeah just a bunch of penguins your size walking around and i think she got a little disturbed by that
1: (laughs) (laughs) no nightmares tonight
0: none at all um yeah so We're looking at, obviously, the title is talking about greenhouse gas fluxes. And on South Georgia, there's a lot of glaciers, but the glaciers are retreating. And as these glaciers retreat, they're exposing all this soil. And part of the study is, like, what's happening in that soil layer, right? So if you've got these glaciers going away, you're actually creating a lot more soil, And what we know is soil generally acts as a CO2 sink. Like, there's a lot of CO2 in the soil. But there's also a lot of stuff, like, under these glaciers. These glaciers have been around a long time, and as they degas, there's lots of weird stuff happening. And there's weird stuff happening, but plus lots more penguin activity has led to some very weird gases occurring.
1: Yeah, I mean, you get some newly exposed land. There might be some new food there. There might be new places to nest.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So penguins explore and expand, and they therefore deposit their chemistry.
0: <laughs> and this isn't the first penguin poop fun paper we've had.
1: No, it's not. Another <laughs> another statement in the long line of statements I never thought I would make.
0: <laughs> Um, We went to the Tulsa Zoo a little while ago with my friend, and they have a penguin exhibit. And that's not something we have at our zoo here in Oklahoma City, so this is a big deal. And I said, have you ever seen a penguin poop? And she goes, I don't know where this is going. Is this a podcast thing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I said, actually,
0: it is. (laughs) Let me tell you how many Pascals of pressure it takes. (laughs) Right. <laughs> for them to do this. Um, So these penguins are violently ejecting their poo everywhere. See previous fun paper for that. And it reacts with all this newly exposed soil. And it, because it's poo, it's adding a lot of nitrogen. And it winds up outgassing a bunch of N2O, which is laughing gas.
1: <laughs> and it also stimulates... The soils producing CO2, mm-hmm. a, a weathering byproduct, mm-hmm. and it decreases the amount of ammonia, ammonia that goes into the system. So there's more ammonia in the environment, there's more CO2 in the environment, and there's a high concentration of nitrous oxide,
0: mm-hmm, which is also a powerful greenhouse gas. So, yeah, all kinds of terrible things. So, this is one of those things that we would cause a positive feedback not positive in the moral standpoint of good or bad but positive in the fact that now you're melting this ice exposing the soil not only is it doing a lot of outgassing already you add all this penguin poo everywhere and now you're creating even more you know bad greenhouse gases that are gonna melt the ice and there's your positive feedback
1: Yep. More A for penguins, more penguins, more poo, mm-hmm. faster, mm-hmm. and so on.
0: Did you like these figures?
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. So um, I
0: found this figure for the addition of the letters very hard to grasp. Like, I had to read the figure caption. I feel like maybe the, the figure caption should augment the figure. But I had to read the figure caption. I didn't understand what the figure was doing without that.
1: Yes, and it's a very, very dense figure, like especially the middle panel. Yeah,
0: uh huh. That's a lot.
1: You really gotta zoom on that PDF, because if you just print it, good luck figuring out which bar is which if you're over about twenty.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, very pro use of their colors, not like a jet color scheme or anything, but
1: Yes. But, yeah, uh, these
0: exactly. old eyes can't can't discern the differences there
1: <laughs> now, I did like uh you know the figures are simple, they have a not a ton of chart junk, mm-hmm, my like okay, I just said that one had too much data on it, but like they don't have unnecessary grid lines,
0: yeah, uh,
1: you know, a lot of unnecessary just junk that. You put it on there because your plotting software can put it on there.
0: That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing, I guess the thing that bugged me the most <laughs> was in figure 2C.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a histogram. Oh. <laughs> and the first four things A, B, C, D are orders of magnitude smaller than the last thing. Mm-hmm. And so they have the histogram on one scale, and then inset, there is a histogram <laughs> for the first things on a smaller scale. Uh-huh. This is what logarithms are for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very true. I just skimmed past that. That's interesting. Hmm.
1: Because you've got something that's like 0.02 three point oh two something like that up to let's say point two so there's an order of magnitude Mm -hmm. and then the big value is 12 12, yeah so let's call that two orders of magnitude Mm -hmm. so suddenly we have things that are spanning like three four orders of magnitude and it makes a lot of sense to plot this logarithmically
0: logarithm yeah yeah oops (laughs) (laughs) i
1: I don't know. I just, I, I when I saw that, I was like, I see that you're not trying, or that you're trying to not be deceitful by plotting things on a linear axis.
0: Correct, but also but that's are, what that's made for.
1: <laughs> yeah, there are tools to help make this contrast mm-hmm. clearer.
0: Mm-hmm. I do appreciate the colors, though. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. the colors are great. It's, it's a good um, of color. I have no problems with the PCA, the principal component analysis yeah, plot. Yeah, yeah. Like, I actually like that they used uh, size. Of the marker mm-hmm. and color of the marker, mm-hmm. they did not use shape as well, which I'm I'm thankful for because that plot would have got very complicated.
0: Yes, very much so. No, that's a that's a really good. I like that plot quite a bit, and I I love the use of graphical abstracts, and I think it will get these the scrutiny of these will get better as more places use these you know
1: yeah more the the thing explainer approach Mm-hmm.
0: yeah exactly i don't know if we talked about this last time um i made my students all take a quiz in class to talk about their learning styles
1: no we did not talk about this
0: yeah so so this graphical abstract reminds me of it so you know i frequently get asked how do i study Okay. And sometimes when I get asked that, I'm like, you're a senior, you should know this. <laughs>
1: how have you gotten this far? <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. But I do teach a lot of freshman level classes. So I thought, how can I help students understand this, right? I, I went to this webinar, as we all are going to webinars now about you know helping students do this because there's this fine line of being like you have to figure this out yourself and okay this is something I can help you do because as we've talked about on the show like I, I don't go for the figures like i always thought like i'm i'm verbal like i need to read the stuff i need to write the stuff like how i studied was like recopying my notes i never drew pictures like recopying my notes is how i studied and so i said okay i found this really good quiz to tell you, like, what type of learner you are. And so I obviously took it. And this was really weird because I came out as a kinesthetic learner,
1: which... Hmm. Well, maybe that's where the copying comes from. I, I, don't
0: know. I know. And that's why I was like, what? And I took, like, five more quizzes after that. And I was like, this is really interesting. Like, I think my learning style has changed over time.
1: Huh.
0: Uh-huh. And so I had... A non-traditional student who, because I said, how many of you guys know what you are? And maybe like a quarter of the class raised their hand. And he tells me what he is before he takes this quiz. And he takes it. And he's not what he thought he was. <laughs> and he did the same thing I did. He goes, oh, my gosh, I wonder if my learning style has changed since like the last time I did this. That was very interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And it my could like very well be, yeah. yeah, and like my visual and my um, whatever the writing one is, they have a different word for it, were equal, and kinesthetic was just slightly above that. And I was like, huh, I think looking at all these figures and going through all this talking has changed how I approach my learning now. It's very interesting.
1: You should send me that quiz I want. I,
0: I can... will. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might might be interested in that. But I love that these, like, the highlights and the graphical abstracts are a thing because it, a lot of them do portray a lot of stuff right off the bat, and that's that's really cool. And I think that really makes stuff more accessible to people who don't take in this huge paragraph of jargon, you know? So,
1: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm very curious because, like, I get a lot of my information from YouTube now, so I'm curious if I've changed to be right. more... Uh-huh. More visual, audible. Or even
0: auditory, yeah.
1: Yeah. um, Maybe that's what we need. Instead of graphical abstracts, we need, like, you have to make a 90-second YouTube video that summarizes why your research matters.
0: I absolutely think that you should have to do that. (laughs) Absolutely. And I do think, too, I've run into this a couple times just in the past week um, of filling out forms and being prompted to type in phrases for accessibility not just to search things but you know um for people with visual impaired that they can like click on this thing and it reads a little sentence so like twice in the last couple of days that's happened so this is really cool this is a really neat you know way to expand how we get science across yeah yeah yep
1: okay so penguin poop laughing gas i like it exactly Um, (laughs) so if you have done the calculations about how many penguins and how much glacial retreat are required to meet your dentist's (laughs) current need for nitrous oxide (laughs) Or any other nitrous oxide-related calculations. We would love to see those. Shannon, how can they get a hold of us?
0: <laughs> I'm laughing too hard. I can't do it. Show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. You can find us on Twitter at Shannon Doolin, at geo underscore Lehman, and at geo. You can find us on the Slack channel, the Software Underground, the Don't Panic channel. And as always, thank you to our Patreon supporters. And if you would like to support us on Patreon, you can do so. Patreon.com slash geo.